Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hey, peers. I'm curious, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A superstar actor? A brave firefighter? A hardworking teacher? Or maybe you're just one of those lucky people who always knew that they wanted to be an entrepreneur. That's not the case for this week's guest. She never planned on being an entrepreneur. It sort of just happened. And you could say that simply going with the flow is what led Mallory Green to co-found Irene, a modern funeral services company that uses tech to create more affordable and flexible cremation services for families. Mallory joins the podcast today to chat about how she built up her confidence, the importance of going to therapy and positive self-talk, and why going with the flow and having faith in yourself is the best way to go. Before we dive in, peers, I want to remind you to please share this episode, take a screenshot right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project, so that together we can share today's message and conversation with our peers out there who may just need to hear it. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Mallory. Mallory, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. I am so excited to be here. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in consumer tech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here. Was thrilled when you reached out to me and also just love the accent. So I'm excited to chat with you. Uh, so fun. Amazing. So for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, so my name is Mallory. I am the CEO and co-founder of Irene. And oftentimes when I talk about what business realm I'm in, people are quite confused by it. I am building a modern approach to funeral services. So Irene really is focused on providing up-to-date, better experiences to families. And we do that in a few ways. One is that we create really affordable services for families currently in Canada, although we definitely have global ambitions. So the average Canadian pays about five to $6,000 for a cremation service. We charge half of that. And we really are leveraging technology to simplify and create more affordable experiences for families. The second part of that is really just flexibility. I think when most of us think about traditional funeral services, it's in-person, face-to-face, a lot of paperwork. It's probably someone in a outdated suit, no shade to the industry, but that's just what we think about, right? It really has had no innovation in the past 100 years. And so our services are accessible, whether you're at the hospital or at home, wherever you are, we can make arrangements. So really bringing the arrangement experience into the 21st century. And then the last part is really on education. So helping people understand how to plan for end of life, what their options are, and then really guiding them through that experience when they lose a loved one. I think it's a really isolating process when you lose somebody that you love, and it's often very confusing, and it's not something that we're openly talking about. So bigger picture, our goal is to start really having conversations about end of life and making people comfortable with those conversations. Oh, I love it. And I can't wait to dive deeper into your entrepreneurial journey and how you got started. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I grew up in what at the time was a pretty small town just outside of Toronto, about an hour outside of Toronto. But I mean, I grew up in a small town, had a really awesome upbringing. I think about a lot of founders always have this story of I was selling lemonade or I was always entrepreneurial. Like that was not me at all. In fact, I often said that my work ambition was to be a mom. Like that's all I said when I was growing up, which I'm not a mom yet, but I'm sure I will be one day. And so it's interesting. I think a big part of who I am was the fact that my parents let me be who I am. So I have really incredible parents and people often ask me like, how did you get so bold and so outspoken? And I'm just like, I'm a hardcore feminist and all of these things. And if you ask my mom, she'll always say she was born that way. Like that's how she's always been. And I look back at that of them allowing me to be exactly who I am. I think that upbringing shaped me to become bold in my career and really ask for more for myself, but also for the people around me. And so really just like humble, small town. Yeah, just a normal, I guess, upbringing, quote unquote, I guess there's no such thing as normal. But I do think I just had a really supportive environment. I would lastly say to that is that my parents never pushed me too hard on anything in the sense of it wasn't expected that I got straight A's or they definitely always had the expectation that I would go to university, but it was just something that all my friends would do as well. So it was never kind of a question for me. So my parents were just supportive and let me kind of find my path. And I think that's led me to where I am today. Your parents seem awesome. Oh, bless them. Oh my goodness. What was the greatest lesson that your mom, your dad taught you? 
My mom is genuinely my best friend. And I always call her my chief emotional officer for my business because I call her whether I'm crying or I'm venting or whatever it is. And she just like walks me through it. So for me, my relationship with my parents, but specifically my mom has been kind of this buildup of, I mean, the past 29 years of my life of what she's taught me about being really true to myself being unapologetically myself. That's a big part of it. There's always people are like, oh my gosh, Mallory. And I'm like, this is who I am. Right. And my mom's always supported that. So my parents, yeah, they're just truly incredible people. And I think that it's important for everyone to find that type of support, not necessarily with family, but just someone who just values you and lets you be you and just kind of amplifies everything you do. I couldn't agree more. Sometimes I think, though, it can be so tough to be true to yourself and just be who you are, you know, especially our generation. Two seconds, you jump online and you can see immediate comparison. You know, I think I call it comparisonitis or something like that. And I do it all the time. And I'm sure so many of our peers out there listening are just like, oh, I wish I could just almost block that out and just stay true and just be confident. You know, for our peers out there listening, what advice would you give to us around becoming comfortable with ourselves so that we can be true to ourselves? I, and I should always clarify, like I was not always like this and especially my teenage years, right? When you're, I mean, I went to school with a lot of very skinny people and I always compared myself to that, right? Like, why don't I look like that? Why is my body like that? And what truly I think sparked change for me is after I graduated university, I moved to Toronto on my own and started a new job and really was surrounded by people who had very high expectations of me. They pushed me further than I could see for myself. They really like amped me up and constantly said that I could do the best work that I possibly could. And so I was surrounded by all of these people who were doing really incredible things. And I do think that in turn built a lot of my own confidence because they had expectations of me, but also I was trying to keep up with all of them. So I do genuinely think it's who you surround yourself with. I would also say it takes time. I'm going to be 30 this year. I still get carded everywhere I go. They're like, are you 18? But I think it comes with time, honestly. Like I'm becoming more confident every year of my life. I'm very excited for my 30s. I know everyone says it's like the best because when you're in your 30s, you just don't care anymore about what anyone thinks to some extent. I do think it really, you have to be patient and kind to yourself. The last thing I'll just say is how you talk about yourself and the words that you think you will start to believe. So there's a really interesting exercise specifically for women, but just general, I think, body confidence, which is to like look at yourself in the mirror and say things you like about yourself. And I think that actually can apply to every aspect of your life of how you talk about yourself. So I never use self-deprecating language when it comes to myself. And I think that has really built up my confidence of what I think. Some people might think that have a bit of an ego now. I'm actually a very humble person, but I like to think really highly of myself. And I think everyone should, because we all have really great qualities that we should be focusing on. So I do think it comes down to mindset, who you surround yourself with, and over time, just being really patient with yourself. How can we find our people? How can we find those people that will build us up even when we don't believe in ourselves? I speak to a lot of women entrepreneurs and When you are first starting a business specifically, 
you are so vulnerable, especially if you're fundraising or trying to get people kind of bought into what you're doing. Like people are just tearing you apart, to be honest. And I found that just having coffees and meeting with people and going to tech events or, or asking friends for connections, you do find your people. It's similar to dating though. You have to go through people to find what works best for you. And you're going to find the people who really just uplift you. Throughout my years in therapy, we talked about kind of having different groups of people who you tap into for different things. So I have my childhood friends. I just know that they're always there for me. I can tap into reminisce and talk about great times. And we meet every year during the holidays and that's my group of people. And then I also have a group of people who are more business focused and we can talk about the struggles of running a business. And so I think being very cognizant of expectations, like you should only expect certain things from certain people. And it's okay to have different groups of people that you tap into for different aspects of your life. To me, it's like dating. I think a lot of things are like dating where you just have to be vulnerable, put yourself out there and you will find your people. But I do think as cheesy as it sounds, there is inner work to do within yourself of where you want to go and how you feel about yourself. And then you can kind of start thinking about like, who are the people who are aligned values wise? What have been some of those things, if you're willing to share, that you've had to kind of break through or just kind of recognize about yourself? And how did you navigate through that? I think therapy is for everyone. And I remember like every time I would go into a therapy session, I'd be like, I don't even have anything to talk about today. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I paying for this? And then I go in and an hour later, I'm like, what the heck just happened during that one hour time? They bring it out of you. I think a big part of what I learned, and I've gone to therapy from a personal perspective, and I also am working with a business coach who is a psychologist by trade. So she has a really unique perspective on business, but also kind of the psychology behind it. And I've been working a lot with her as well. And one is definitely kind of just fully embracing who I am. I think throughout my 20s, I felt like, do I need to pull it back a little bit? Like, am I being too much of a certain way? It's so nice to have someone who just has no bias or, yeah, they're just totally removed from your life. And they can just tell you when you're being maybe a little ridiculous, but they can also guide you to the answers. That's the thing with therapy. I went into it thinking, they're going to tell me all the answers of how to solve all my problems. And they don't. They guide you to them. They never tell you the answers, which initially I was a little annoyed about, but I now I understand the value of it. So yeah, I think a big part of it for me was this concept of it's okay to be who I am and how can I build off of that? And then what are the things that I need to reflect on in terms of my relationships or how I approach business and like really having actionable items to walk away with? Therapy, I think, as I said, I think it's for everyone and it's going to be a continued journey. You don't just one day, like solve all of your problems. I mean, the beauty of, or maybe not the beauty of life is that there's always problems, but if you embrace that, then you can enjoy your life and the ups and downs of it. So, I mean, you learn so much. It's so interesting to have someone, but I think if you don't go to therapy, you end up in a bit of an echo chamber of people who know you or think they know you and they're not able to remove themselves. And so having just that third party person is incredible. So I encourage, even if today people feel they don't have any problems or they don't have anything to talk about, you will find things to talk about. And I think it's so beneficial. So valuable. I want to dive deep into your business. So 
wow, you know, where did this even come from? You know, I think when I was looking at you and kind of your trajectory, I saw that you were at the startup and for about five years called Wealth Simple, I think it was, founding team member. You were there for about five years. And then in 2019, you decided to quit that job and start your business, Irene. Talk to us a little bit about that transitional period there and kind of what made you want to get started. I mean, this really comes back to this idea that I, throughout my teens, never said, oh, I'm going to start my own business. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. Like that was not within my path. And then when I went to university, I studied international development. And for a while, I thought maybe that I would work in charity, but ultimately didn't really love school. And so I wanted to be studying something that I really thought was interesting, but also was totally out of the realm of the little bubble I had grown up in my tiny little town. And so when I graduated university, I honestly had no job experience and I could not get a job for the life of me. And the reason I tell this story is because I think a big part of life is one, trusting your gut, but kind of just going with the flow of what happens. So I graduated, I took a very controversial unpaid internship. And I worked for someone over that summer and he asked me to meet him downtown for coffee that fall, I should say. And he was like, I just joined this early stage startup. I want you to join as my marketing intern. And every single person in my life told me not to take that job. Like they were just like, it was an investment company, but it was five people. It seemed a little sketchy. You should get a stable job at one of the banks or the whole thing. And I was like, you know what? I don't really have anything to lose. So I think I should just take this job. And so I did. I showed up the Monday. I never interviewed for that job. And I showed up and I started to work. And it was a roller coaster of five years. An incredible experience, like really taught me how to build a business from the ground up. Lots of highs and lows. The first three months I was there because I had never really worked what I would call a legitimate job. I left crying every day. Like I was just like, I am not ready for this. But you know what? I found my footing. I gave it time. And I mean, a lot of the people that I worked with and a lot of the founding team there are investors in my business today. So I would say that my time at Simple over those five years really laid the foundation for me starting a business. What sparked me actually thinking that I could be an entrepreneur was throughout my time there, I think as I found my footing and really found my voice within the organization, and I was very well respected within the organization, like they often said I was the culture person. Like I kept the glue together. I kept the organization running. Like I really had my hands in everything. And so often people would say to me like, well, when are you starting your own thing? When are you going to go start your own business? And at that time I kind of started to think like, oh, maybe that's what I would do next. And so I started to kind of dive into what industry I had interest in. Not necessarily an industry that I was highly passionate about, because if you ask me what I'm passionate about, it's like style and beauty and like dating. Like those are things I'm like passionate about. I'm not passionate about funeral services, but I do happen to know a lot about them. So my dad is a funeral director and my mom is a hospice nurse. So I've really grown up around death and throughout my kind of, I guess, exploration of what I would do. I realized that I had so much knowledge and comfort with it, with the topic itself, that I was pretty well equipped to do it. So started to really look into the industry and just saw that there were so many trends and changes happening over the next 10 to 20 years. And the industry really hadn't changed. I mean, it, as I said previously, it's just so outdated. And so, yeah, eventually within five years, I think two things happened. I always, throughout my five years there, felt 
there's going to be a moment where I know it's time to go. And that was incredibly difficult for me because I had been there since there was five people. When I left, there was over 300. It was really just like a family. Like we'd go to Drake concerts together. We'd go to football games. Like we just like had so much fun and it was a grind, but it was a lot of fun. And so I think two things happened. One, I met my co-founder and we just were introduced as two people who wanted to build a business. And we started talking about the topic and he had a lot of interest in it as well. And we were like, this is just weird that this timing has occurred that we've met and you have interest in the same topic as me. So that happened. And I also felt like I had run my course. Five years at a startup is a really long time. And so I had a day where I called my mom and I was like, I'm quitting next week. I'm going to give myself a week to think about it. And because I'm always a big believer in sleeping on decisions. And then I did. And it was hard and it was horrible, but I took the summer off and then I started building my business. So it was time to leave. Like I had really run its course. I had kind of learned everything I needed to there, but an incredible experience of like learning really how to build a business from the ground up. How do we humble ourselves enough to walk in as an intern or as not someone with a fancy title or with a lower paycheck or whatever it may be? to ultimately learn what we need to learn to get us to where we want to go. How do we get ourselves in that mindset? I mean, as I said, I was crying every day, but nobody knew that. That's the difference is no one knew that I was leaving crying every day, just calling mom every day. I think a big part of the name that I built myself for and also just how I learned to work is that I would just figure it out. And so it's funny because people that I work with used to say, like, you know, everything. And like, they'd ask me a question. I would nod my head and I'd go to Google and I'd find out how to do that. I didn't do nothing. Let's just be clear on that. But I hate the term fake it till you make it. But there is some part of that. Like nobody really knows what they're doing. But if you have some confidence and just the ability to just figure things out, because the beauty of today is everything is online. You can find out truly everything about running a business online. And so I really was just faking it until I could figure it out. I'd learn a new skill and then I would try to figure something else out. So I do think just being really open to learning. Today, actually, my approach is very different. If I don't know something, I'm just not afraid to say I don't know. So if someone asks me a question, I'll say, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I'm happy to circle back with you. I realize now there's no problems with not knowing everything. (laughs) At the time, I was really trying to figure out everything. But I do think that made me successful because an early stage business is hard. Like you are just thrown into it and you don't have that much support, to be honest. Like my onboarding was like opening my laptop and getting started. So it's pretty challenging the early days. It's like sink or swim. But over time, you figure it out. And I do think that just that openness and honesty is the key. Talk us through the, I've dived in now and oh my goodness, so scary. I've left like this job that I love ultimately, although it was like my last half a decade. And now I'm building this thing on my own. What were those first key challenges that you faced to really get the business off the ground? When I left Wealth Simple, my initial plan was to take a week off. I was like, I'm going to take a week off and then I'm going to go right into it. And I ended up taking three months off because I realized I was burnt out. And so I do really think if you have the means to take a bit of time off, even if it's a month, if it's three weeks, one week is just genuinely not enough time. I think it takes a week to kind of gather yourself and then you can kind of relax a little bit. So after those three months, 
I was like, okay, time to get back to it. And I was patient with myself on getting back into the swing of things because I mean, as anyone knows who started a business, it's like, where do you start? And this is once again, why I think there's so many resources available. Everyone in North America loves Y Combinator. It's all everyone talks about. And they actually have a lot of really great resources on where to start with building a business, your business plan and your projections and all of those things. So that's kind of where we started filling in those pieces. And honestly, the biggest challenge we faced is that we are in a highly regulated industry. And so when we were ready to launch and go, in my mind, we were going to get our license and we were going to start going. And immediately we were shut down. They were like, you are not getting a license. You are a threat to this industry. You will never be licensed. And if you know me, you know that anytime you tell me no, I'm going to get to a yes. So that was like the catalyst that I needed. I was like, wow, this is even more exciting because I really have to push this forward. They thought they were like discouraging me, but you really can't discourage me to do anything. So that was honestly the biggest challenge as frustrating as that was because it was a 10 month battle, essentially it really like just catapulted me into running a business because I was constantly having to adapt, find new creative ways to get around conversations and what we were going to do next. And it just really brought me into this mindset that by the time we officially launched one, it was like such a relief and I was so excited to keep going, but also I had learned so much in that 10 month period. So I really do think as a founder or entrepreneur, There's so many challenges that you face and they never end. If you can really just take learnings from it and apply those to future challenges, it does get easier over time. Like now when something comes up, I don't feel like, oh, not another thing. I can't do it. I'm just like, great, let's do it again. Like every day I wake up, I'm like, you have to have the right mindset. Honestly, the challenges evolve over time. Like right now, our biggest challenge I think is just we're growing very rapidly and we need more people. For us, it's finding that balance of, not growing too quickly, not hiring too quickly, but also just need more resources. I'm definitely a big believer in to make money, you have to spend money. And so some of my investors are like, okay, let's hire some more people and let's keep going here. We've done the scrappy lean thing for the past two years. And now it's time to kind of establish and hire and keep growing. Oh, Mallory, it's just been so interesting. I'm loving this chat. I've got a couple of final questions for you. The first one is what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I recently read a book called 4,000 Weeks. And it's actually by, I think it's a Canadian author who wrote it. And he basically talked about how regret and like failure is necessary in life. Because if everything was great and we had a life that was infinite and everything was merry, then that just wouldn't be life, right? And so there's nothing that really sticks out to me in terms of like a massive failure that just like sticks with me forever. I failed a lot of times. Let's be clear on that. Whether just on kind of business assumptions I've made or in previous companies, or even like one thing that irritates me about myself a little bit is that I should have done co-ops and I should have done more like work placements during university because I really missed out on that opportunity. But I do feel like every decision and failure I've made has led me to this point as cheesy as that sounds. So nothing really stands out. But like I said, I mean, I literally have failures every single day. I do think failure is just about how you bounce back from it. Some days where I'm like totally defeated, 
I just close my laptop and I call it a night. And then I wake up the next day and I do it again because that is just what entrepreneurship is, right? You fail every day and you make mistakes every day, but it's your ability to kind of bounce back from those things. I mean, I'm sure I'll have a lot of failures in life, but I do try to be like, okay, well, how can I learn from it? Once again, so cheesy, but that's what life is. I love it. I feel you. And your greatest win? I am genuinely proud of the business that I've built. I was listed on Forbes 30 under 30 in November and people were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like it's like so much clout that comes with Forbes. It's actually a little crazy how much comes with it. And had you asked me years ago, like what would be so amazing and incredible? It would be being on Forbes 30 under 30. Like I would have thought that was amazing. And it was, I'm very proud of it. I'm glad I'm on the list, but genuinely for me, why my business exists and like the experience that we provide families and how we help them during the most difficult times is just my overall win and will continue to be my win because I just think that the work that I do really matters. And that's what really propels me forward, to be honest, because it's hard. It's hard to run a business, but I genuinely feel that we're actually making a difference. And I think anyone can make a difference in people's lives on small or large scales. And so really, I'm just so proud of the business I built. It has flown by. Like, I can't believe it's been two and a half years because I remember like when we first launched, I was like, we just need to get one customer. And then like millions of dollars later, it's like, what just happened in the past (laughs) couple of years? But no, I'm really proud of what I've done. So I'm bad at saying those things, which my therapist would also talk about. But I am like genuinely like for the first time in my life at the end of each year, I don't feel like, oh, I should have done more. What do I even have to account for? I just am like, wow, I'm doing a lot now and it's something to be proud of. So I think celebrating wins is so, so important and it's a work in progress for me. Everyone asked me when I was on Forbes, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll probably just keep working for now, but eventually maybe on my 30th, I'll celebrate. It will be a combo celebration. Oh, I love that. It's so well-deserved. It's so well-deserved. Oh, Mallory, you know, over the last two and a half years, as you mentioned, since starting your business, you've really gone from strength to strength. And amongst all of the failures and the daily learnings, you've also gained a lot of recognition for your work and you're just doing great work. And as you mentioned, you were recently featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, which is how we found you. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? It's funny because I was so naive to what it was to run a business before I started. And had I really known, sometimes I'm like, would I have actually gone this far? I don't know if I would have. So it is good to be naive. Sometimes you just need to, as I said, just jump into it and learn as you go. I think that's the first key piece of advice, which is just kind of trust the process jump into it and trust yourself, trust your ability to figure things out. That's really important in business. The second that I would say, and this is just top of mind because I was speaking to our PR firm about International Women's Day earlier today, and we are talking about the bias that exists for women in business and especially when it comes to fundraising. And I remember when I first started fundraising, like I was like, what is happening? Like the conversations I'm having, the feedback I'm getting, whether inappropriate or just it didn't make sense. And as soon as I acknowledge that those biases exist, I mean, we know that I think it's less than 2% of women receive VC funding. Like it's just those biases do exist. And all I can do 
as a business leader is describe my business and describe why it's important and describe where I'm going. And then the rest is out of my hands. And I wish someone had told me that before I started fundraising because the initial six months were incredibly frustrating for me because I was like, but you're not really listening to what I'm saying. And the connection wasn't there. I do wish that people just would realize like there is a bias and you can work through that and you will find investors and you will find people who support your business and you'll know that it's right. Like we have the most incredible investors now and I'm glad that all the people who were weird or inappropriate didn't work out. So I think that's the second piece. And then, as I said, like really trusting your gut, trusting the process of your life. And the beauty of life is you have so much time. Like I'm only 29. I can reinvent myself as many times as I want. You don't need to be on Forbes 30 under 30. You can be on, there's a 40 under 40, or you can be in the New York times when you're 60. Like it just genuinely doesn't matter. And people often ask me like, what are you going to do after I reign? And I'm like, maybe I'll be the prime minister. Maybe I'll be a lawyer. Like, I don't know who knows. And I think that's so exciting. Like you can be whoever you want to be. And that's not who you have to be forever. And so just really go with the flow. Enjoy running a business as much as you can. And yeah, just trust the process. That's a big part of it because I try not to take life so seriously anymore. And I think that has changed my outlook on a lot of things. It's just allowed me to be more resilient and adaptable in all of those things. Such valuable advice. And this has just been so, so great. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us ambitious young women that if we have this vision, this goal and this dream, even if we weren't the lemonade stand kind of gal, you know, we can make it happen for ourselves and it won't be easy, but we can get there. And so for that, we really appreciate you. No, I appreciate you having me. I I feel like this was a bit of a therapy session itself, but uh, I love that. Definitely for me. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, exactly. (laughs) So good. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? That is a really good question. And as I said, I don't know if I'm passionate about funeral services, but I deeply care about the work that I'm doing. I mean, those things kind of go hand in hand ultimately. How I look at it is is that, as I've said a million times during this podcast, running a business is incredibly difficult and you have highs and you have lows and that is just what it is. You have highs and lows in the same day. And when you are passionate or care deeply, or understand that the work you're doing is incredibly valuable, it just genuinely makes it easier to get up the next day and do it all over again. Because nothing that comes your way can really stop you. Like you get so deeply ingrained into it that you just want to naturally keep going. And so I do think it's important to, whether you learn about an industry and you're like, this doesn't seem right to me, this needs to change, or as I said previously, like my studies in international development, if they had brought me overseas to change the world or whatever it is, I think that there's so much value in just genuinely being passionate about what you're doing because it just makes it easier to kind of enjoy the ride. Oh, so well said. Mallory, thank you so much. It has been absolutely awesome to have you on the show. We so appreciate you, your wisdom and your knowledge. Where can we learn more about you and Irene? 
So Irene is at irene.ca, not the traditional way to spell Irene. And I will just plug that the name Irene comes from the Greek goddess state of peace. And so that's really what we want to embody as a business is providing peace of mind to families during a very difficult time. So Irene is E-I-R-E-N-E dot C-A. I am on Twitter. I don't know how for long I'll be on Twitter. It's a little bit scary on that platform these days, but all of my platforms are actually Mallory J. Green, green with an E on the end. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, not Facebook. And yeah, I'm always happy to connect with other women founders and talk to people in business. And I would love to continue the conversation for those who are listening. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>